You're listening to the Journey Beyond Divorce podcast with Karen McMahon. We invite you into a journey of healing and personal transformation that will radically change your divorce experience, heal your heart while refining your character, and enable you to be effective and feel empowered as you navigate the practical and emotional challenges of divorce. Needs are okay. I think we have to really start with, before we talk about what I want and need, we have to start with the fact that you having your independent desires, wants, and needs is perfectly human and in fact keeps you alive. So we don't question that we need food unless we have, let's say, an eating disorder, right? We don't question that we need sleep. We don't question that we need water. We might not be giving ourselves these all the time, but these are things that we need to move and live in the world. There are so many other things that we need that we feel like we shouldn't need. So how many people have you heard say, um, I don't want to be needy? Embarking on the journey into the next chapter of your life after divorce is often met with a mixture of excitement and fear. Everything is affected. Transitioning home and career, managing your finances, parenting as a single mom or dad, and managing the emotions around step-parents in your children's lives. The world of online dating, reconnecting with who you want to be in this new chapter of life, and finding your passion, purpose, sensuality, sexuality, and so much more. Tune in as we speak to the experts in every area of post-divorce life and support you to enter and navigate it as an adventure with a growth mindset and a heart of possibility. Welcome to the first episode of Life After Divorce. Today's episode is Life by Design, Not Default. As you begin exploring who you are and who you want to be in this next chapter of life, we invite you to see this new chapter as an adventure, to get to know yourself, be kind and gentle with yourself, and know that part of the adventure will include uncertainty and fear. Most important, we encourage you to be intentional about the design you desire. Today's guest invites you to be aware of and embrace your needs and begin with little stuff so that you can build your confidence to make bigger decisions. We explore how to truly get to know yourself and to tune into your inner wisdom. And we celebrate the beauty and power of imagination and manifesting your new life's chapter. Today's guest is Dr. Elizabeth Cohen. She's a clinical psychologist and founder of Afterglow, The Light at the Other Side of Divorce, which is an online divorce course and membership. Elizabeth teaches women how to heal, grow, and thrive after divorce, no matter how difficult the process has been, and offers a monthly membership program to provide one-on-one coaching, expert support from divorce professionals, and an engaged community of like-minded people. Dr. Cohen received her PhD in clinical psychology from Boston University. She was the recipient of the prestigious American Psychological Foundation Research Award for her research on the emotional effects of 9-11. 
She's been featured on the Tamron Hall Show, The Wall Street Journal, NBC News, Women's Health, HuffPost, Thrive Global, Daily Beast, and Good Housekeeping, and contributes weekly to Psychology Today and hosts the Divorce Doctor podcast. Finally, Dr. Cohen has published a book based on her Afterglow program entitled Light at the Other Side of Divorce, Discovering the New You. I am so excited to have you with me today. Welcome, Elizabeth. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. You know, this is such a great topic to kick off our Life After Divorce uh, series. Life by design, not default. And for me, Elizabeth, the first thing that comes to mind is I lost myself so deeply in my divorce that uh, I I didn't know who I was. I didn't, I wasn't clear on um what my values were, uh, where I wanted to go in life. I, and I think part of it, too, was I was so focused on the divorce and it being over and how much time I would get with the kids and what the settlement would look like. And being, as everyone knows, I was in a high-conflict situation, so being on the battlefield, that once that was done, it was almost like, which way do I go? What's next? And so when you talk about um, life by design, not default, what do you mean by, by that? Well, I can say from my experience, um, what happened for me was that I, way before I even um, got divorced, I was in a deeply codependent relationship where I was, you know, really thinking purely about what other people needed and just saying yes to everything. And so I had years of doing that in my marriage and then years of doing that, I think even going through my divorce. And I know I'm not alone. I've interviewed women who talk about, you know, giving up their whole house, you know, just giving up the house because they don't want to deal with the discomfort or the uh, struggle. And so this, it's so real, this feeling of doing something for another person. And for me, it went so far as my ex-husband um, had decorated our entire apartment. So one of the things he took were it was everything. So I had to redecorate it. And I didn't even know, honestly, Karen, what color walls I liked. I didn't know what kind of furniture I liked. I didn't know what my taste was in anything. And that's a small example, but that's, that's really how unaware I was of what I liked and what I wanted. Yeah, you know, as you say that, I think um, what comes to mind is that we're a stranger to ourselves. Yeah. Right. Like I, I, I'm a recovering codependent, and same thing when you are when you give up yourself, um, and you do for everybody else, and and I have an article who's renting space in your head. You're like your first thought isn't your thought. It's 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 their thought or their need. And so as you just described it, it's like I'm a stranger to myself. I don't know what I like or um, or what's important to me. And, and so that's where we begin. Right. right? Post-divorce, so many people, that's where they begin. We really begin there. And I think we ha- I think it's an awareness that that's where we are. Because if you had asked me when I was in those codependent relationships, I thought I had a lot of opinions. But really, my opinions were only to make other people happy. So there's this moment, I think, of acceptance of, wow, 
I'm really off track. Like I don't, I don't know what I, what I want. And I want to encourage your listeners to really think about this rather than in a blaming way as an exciting adventure of figuring out who you are. This is like one of those, um, choose your own adventure books that you can just decide. (laughs) And this is, so this is such an exciting time in that way. Yeah. And I love what you just said. I think that, uh, for those listening, uh, you, we want to encourage you to choose self-compassion over self-criticism as you enter this new chapter of your life. So just just let that self-critic go sit in the corner and be quiet and just the same compassion that you give to your children and your loved ones. That's what we're going to invite you to just drench yourself in as you begin to um grow your awareness of where you are, who you are. And rather than how could it th- this be that I don't know these things, that adventure of, wow, here's my chapter. This is all about me. Many of my listeners know that I just moved from New York down to Florida and I'm 59. And for the second time in my life, I am building a home from scratch, painting the walls, buying furniture, and creating my new life chapter. And mm. um, not that there is not fear involved, but there's so much excitement and adventure. And it it's it's because of the perspective that we choose. Yes, I couldn't agree more. And I want around self-compassion around this issue. I, I can't bring this up. I joked, I'm a shrink, so I can't not bring this up. But I just want people to know that if you feel uncomfortable knowing what you want, Put your hand on your heart because you probably, as a young one, weren't given a ton of opportunities to have your own choices, say what you needed and what you liked. And so we're not just dealing with a, you know, 59-year-old woman, 45-year-old, 70, whatever it is. We're really dealing with that younger part that very likely didn't have a lot of choice. So we're healing a lot. So we need a lot of compassion and a lot of spaciousness for however long this takes. Right. And, and you know, would you agree that especially if you fall into that codependent category, um, beginning to focus on yourself feels very selfish, doesn't it? Very. And don't, don't you, I'm sure you've talked about this with your audience, but it blows my mind that there is no word in the English, in the language to describe self-care. It's selfish or selfless. Like there isn't this middle space of understanding that nurturing yourself, like they say on the airplane when we used to fly, put it mask mask on yourself before your child, that you have to take care of yourself before you can take care of anyone. So yes, notice if you feel selfish. And just like you said to the critic, kind of put her on the side or him on the side, I would say notice notice that you're judging yourself for the selfish, thinking it's selfish. Know that um, it's new for you. So the judgment is going to come up and then check in with it in a couple days and see if you still feel that way. Um, I think there's a great, I think it comes from Alan and I learned this, that if you feel selfish, you've probably just done some self-care. Yes, absolutely. Right? That's so perfect. That's very perfect. And, and I think your point to you, 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 you go through your relationship selfless. Yeah. Uh, you want to get to a place of I'm going to use self-loving, but it feels selfish. And in fact, the people who you've trained, 
that you'll always do for them um, will be like, oh my God, you're being so selfish. Mm-hmm. When in fact, you're not. Um, and that is such an uncomfortable place. And and I often say to my clients, if you feel uncomfortable, it's unfamiliar and unfamiliar is good yes. because it's different. Exactly. Yeah. You're stepping into something different and new. Yeah. 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 So you have a book coming out. Um, can you just mention that? Because I know we're going to talk a little bit about one chapter in it. So what's the name of the book? Sure. So my book is is available for pre-order now. It's officially out April 20th. It's called Light at the Other Side of Divorce, Discovering the New You. And I like to explain it as a comprehensive kind of all-in-one guide to how to move through divorce divorce and after. And it really, you know, not many people, not everyone can go to therapy. And so I wanted it to be accessible. So if you can't go to therapy, you can get this book and get so much healing and support. Beautiful. And there's one chapter in it that we're going to kind of drill into some of the details today. What's the name of that? What what chapter is that? That chapter is called Living by Design and Not by Default. Perfect. And so why don't you kick us off? Like, how do you, so the first thing we're talking about is awareness of where you're starting, right? You could, and you can only start from where you are. So becoming aware of it and not judging it is a great step one. And then where do you go from there? So I think that we really need to start with this idea that needs are okay. I think we have to really start with, before we talk about what I want and need, we have to start with the fact that you having your independent desires, wants, and needs is perfectly human and in fact keeps you alive. So we don't question that we need food unless we have, let's say, an eating disorder, right? We don't question that we need sleep. We don't question that we need water. We might not be giving ourselves these all the time, but these are things that we need to move and live in the world. There are so many other things that we need that we feel like we shouldn't need. So how many people have you heard say, um, I don't want to be needy? This Mm. makes me want to pull my hair out. Like if you're not needy, first of all, then you're terrible to be around because nobody has any idea what you need. Like when you share with somebody what you need, that's sharing your instruction manual. If you say you have no needs, it is actually very hard to be in relationship with you. Right. Right. I I used to say I wasn't low maintenance. I was no maintenance because I, I had no needs. And that's, that seemed like the safest, best place. Like, you know, almost like uh, flying under the radar. Yeah. And And it is for finding someone who likes people who have no needs. Like you exactly. will you will get one kind of person who like who's comfortable yes. with that. But really if you want to be in a mutually respected relationship, you are not going to want to be with someone who has no needs because then they're not communicating anything to you. Um, I think about it as like a paper doll versus like a, a, a dimensional doll that has actually mm. movement. It's like really being as they say, like a person with warts and all. Some of your needs also might not be another person. They might be different than another person's. For example, I want I want people to really start thinking also um, in the exercise I talk about, about needs in the five senses. So we have all different kinds of needs. For example, you, you've talked to me about this and part of what you talked about with going down to Florida is having the sun. Like that is a need that you're realizing that your skin 
loves the sun on it. Now, you could deny that need, and maybe you have for many years, but (laughs) that is just a need that you have. It's not good or bad. It's just neutral. That's beautiful. I love that. It's like feelings. Feelings aren't good or bad. They're they're neutral. Exactly. Same thing with needs. Same thing with needs. And sometimes you and another person have different needs. That doesn't mean their need is right and yours is wrong or that your theirs is wrong and yours is it just means they're different. Our our relationship to our needs, and I want to say um, this is especially true for people who come from systemically oppressed groups or marginalized groups who have been told by society that they shouldn't have any needs. So women, people of color, I mean, it's it's really intense. Um, And it's so essential and so important that we don't rob ourselves of our true essence, which is that we have desires. We have preferences. Mm. And so I really want people to start by just really being comfortable with that fact. And you might, if this is so new to you, as I'm sure many of your listeners are, you might just want to spend this week and notice, oh, a need came up. Whether you feel it or not, just notice. Like, oh, I kind of want to have, you know, cranberry juice instead of my usual water. Ooh. That's interesting. Just start noticing. I don't know about in your divorce, but that's how, that's the only way I could start. I couldn't, I couldn't do something big. Well, and I think that, that a lot of times uh, the answer that I get when I ask questions about uh, someone's wants, needs, uh, there's a lot of, I don't know. There's a lot of, I'm a stranger to myself. Yeah. Um, And so I love that because as simple as you know, what do I want to have for lunch? What do I prefer to drink? Um, What time do I prefer to, you know, what do I prefer to do after my workday is over? Like all of those little things are, they inform you. Exactly. And they're the building blocks, right? I mean, as a cognitive behavioral therapist, you know, we focus on small, manageable, measurable behaviors. So it's all about the cranberry juice, the which kind of couch feels comfortable? What kind of blanket do you like? Those are the building blocks for being able to make the big decisions. Like, do I move down to Florida? You know, your decision to move was based on years and years and years of connecting to your needs. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And so the first thing we need to do is become aware Mm -hmm. of our needs, our desires. Mm-hmm. And, and so there's a practice around that, yeah. like just baby steps and paying attention. Mm-hmm. What comes, what comes next? So the next step is, I always say, I wish I had, um, I, I really did think for a while about tattooing this on my arm that says like, is this what I really want? So starting to really get clear when, especially when somebody else asks you for something, is this what I want? Instead of automatically saying yes, which so many of us do. And one, I heard this really great recently, this really great tip about if you're trying to decide between two things um, that you can say, okay, I'm going to flip a coin. And if a heads, I don't get this thing and tails, I do. And so you do it. And then you notice your reactions, right? Yeah. And if you're, because we usually do have this desire again, if we're codependent and we've been in these kinds of relationships or had that kind of childhood, we don't even know we have it. So it's really a way to kind of listen to the intuition. And I I share in my book that I have, I mean, this happens all the time with clients. They'll be talking about a decision and I'll say, um, 
do you really, what do you want to do? And the first answer is exactly what you said. I don't know. And I'll say, let's sit with that for a moment. There'll be a frozen look like, are you kidding? I have to answer this. And then if you allow a little bit of time and space and not respond, not tell them what I think they should do, they'll say, of course, I don't want to do it. Like, like that. So it's giving yourself the time and space to ask yourself, is this what I want? And really hear the answer. And, you know, one of the things I find is uh, you ask the question and the I don't know comes out before the question actually has like ruminated in the the rational mind for even two seconds. And so so it's kind of this knee jerk. I don't know. And, and a lot of times I'll say to clients, your ego mind may not know right away, mm-hmm. but your heart might know, your yeah. spirit might know. And so that space that you just described that like. I don't know, almost feels like it closes a door. So it's like, hmm, that's interesting. You sit, you breathe, and it 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 trickles up. It ripples up. Exactly. And we really live in a world where people don't like to, I mean, that's the gift that you give and your coaches give and that I give, which is just space to sit with. You know, if you, if someone says, what do you want to do in the outside world? And you say, I don't know. They say, okay, well, I move on to another subject or you should do this. You know, there's, we need so much more space, especially for all of you listening who are just rediscovering yourself after divorce. You need so much space. And by the way, saying, I don't know, when you're still trying to figure out what you need is perfectly fine. So I always like to say when people are getting divorced, you know, there's like, I want to leave, I don't want to leave, or I'm not sure. Those are actually three states. There aren't just two states, Mm -hmm. there's three. So if you're living in a house, right? So if you're living in a house after divorce and you have no idea what kind of couch you want or furniture you want, sit on a beach chair, my love. Like do what you want to do. There's no rush. Take the time you need to figure out what you really want. And I think there's a lot of pressure from the outside world of, you know, people should know. Yeah. And then the unfolding happens in the right time in the right way rather than forcing it. I actually, I just, um, I just got a puppy and I felt such pressure to name the puppy that after I gave her a name, I was like, and then my girlfriend started calling her by a different name. And I was like, oh my God, I love that name. And then I thought about it. Do I have permission after I told the whole world (laughs) that her name was Kylie to call her Izzy? And I was like, oh, she's such an Izzy. And, and so it was, it was that, like, that, that pressure mm. actually had me make a decision that I wasn't ready to make. And who's, who was really pressuring me? You know, right. it was just like, this, it was just like who was knocking at my door saying, time's up, you know? Right. So I, I share that just, it's like such a good, it's such a good example. It's such a exactly good example. That. And it's so true. I'm so glad you brought that up, Karen. And thanks for sharing your vulnerability about it. You're, there is usually with all these things, no pressure. Like it doesn't matter if you sit on you know, beach chairs in your house for a while until you figure it out. It's all this internal pressure we put on ourselves. And right, like everyone's like, great, her name's Izzy. Like nobody, as you said, no one is thinking. I mean, another Alan thing is like, no one is thinking about you as much as you are thinking about you. <laughs> right, right. And I was just going to say one of my favorite Alan uh sayings is, you know, 
um, don't should on yourself. Yeah. Or don't, don't let people. So it's like, oh, I should, you know, I should know by now. I should do this. Yeah. Um, and when you get rid of should, um, it's very liberating. Very. And spa- And when you accept and allow spaciousness, I think that's so huge. So that's the second step. We have a special gift for you. Whether you're still emotionally entangled with your ex or not, imagining and creating your life after divorce can feel surreal for some, terrifying for others. Fears and limiting beliefs around financial security, building new friendships, health and fitness, and even finding healthy love can interfere with your ability to create the life you desire. Journey Beyond Divorce coaches can help you get clear on what you want and the obstacles that are keeping you stuck and guide you in manifesting your ideal life. We're here to help you enter this new chapter with more confidence and enthusiasm with a free jumpstart call. Visit journeybeyonddivorce.com backslash jumpstart to book your call today. And then the third step is really an activity that I would encourage everybody to do. Um, So this is an activity that, you know, it has two pieces. The first part is to take some time when you have a moment and imagine yourself, your, what I like to call your future self, you, um, two, three, five, 10, whatever you want years past where you are now. And this person has fully healed from the pain of your divorce. And I know I write about this in the book, you know, lots of things come up like that's not going to happen. We'll just notice all those thoughts. And just for this exercise, we're going to believe that they have healed. And when you get that person in your mind and all the exercises I do, I really recommend you use all your senses, what they look like, what they smell like, what they feel like, what they're wearing. Um, then you can start having a dialogue with them. I, I often guide this in the book through a meditation and you can have a dialogue with them and ask them, what do they wish? What do they want you to know? Mm. What do they want you to know? And you can also keep that image. I have given that image for me over time, different times when I've done this exercise a name or some sort of, so that I can remember that she's there that she is pulling me. And she can also tell you like where she is, is very interesting. Like mine is always at a beach house. So I feel like I, I live in New York city, but I must want to be in a beach house. Right. So that can, that I can start putting on a list again of design, right. This idea of designing it. So hearing from my future self, what I want, connecting to what I want, then we're starting to kind of create the design list. I love that. I I, uh, I remember um, post divorce. Um, I have to say, surviving was probably as far as I was getting. I had two very young school age mm-hmm. children. I was um, I was selling commercial printing, which was a dying industry. And if I didn't sell it, I didn't make it. I left my divorce um, sixty grand in debt, mm-hmm. and so. 
so day to day was kind of fig- and everyone told me how lucky I was that I worked at home, which I did way, way back then. Mm. And I was like, well, so when the client's melting down about a print job and the kids melting down about their math homework, I'm not feeling that lucky. Right. <laughs> you know, I'm working at home and it's a hot mess, which, of course, everyone listening today could understand, yeah. given given the times that we live in. Uh, but I think that that for me, um, the first thing that happened was I realized how much I had changed and how all of a sudden my career um, was no longer aligned with me. And so so for me, that piece that I did was, um, well, I would sit and pray a lot, but it was like, what do I want to be when I grow up? Mm. Like there's, 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 I'm in an industry that's dying. I have these two kids that I'm going to be taking care of for a long time. Um, and so it started with that. And when I'll fast forward, I did decide to, to study, go into a coaching program. One of the things in the coaching program that they did was they said, we want you to write the story of your coaching practice five to 10 years from now. And so it was very similar and that was such a powerful exercise because, first of all, it took me out of the chaos and the hecticness of my day to day. And, um, and, and it gave me permission to dream, which I think as adults, yes. like kids are like, I want to be an astronaut when I grow up. I want to be a neurosurgeon when I grow up. And adults are like, oh, I can't because of these 50 different reasons. They don't even go there. So it kind of gave, um, us permission to go there. And then to your point in so much detail, yeah. what does your day look like? How do you start it? Um, how much time do you spend in front of the computer? How many clients do you see? Um, you know, what do you do at the end of your day? And so this, 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 this dusting off of dream and desire and pulling me toward it is what I felt like it did for me. Yes, that's so great. And that's the second part of it. The second part that I have in my book is exactly what you said. I have this chart for weekdays and for weekends. And I have these slots, 7 a.m., 8 a.m., 9 a.m., 10 a.m. And you really fill out what you'd like to do. This is not, again, I will go back. This is not, you know, fly to Paris. This is super small or have more peace and ease. That's too vague. We want to be really specific. So if you want to have more peace and ease, so mine said at 7am, I'm going to put my timer on for five minutes when I had, you know, two kids under two and breathe. That was it. That was what my dream was. Then I had dreams of being able to go to more Al-Anon meetings. I would put that in there. Or could I have yoga every day? Could I have, you know, um, I wanted to see a friend, things that, things that I couldn't do at that time, but that would be my ideal day. And I separated from weekdays and weekends because we have to be realistic about what our lives are like. And if you write down what you would desire, there is something miraculous that happens where you find ways to make something approximating it happen. So that's my question for you, Karen, is what is your practice looking like what you wrote down? Those years ago? Oh my God. <laughs> and 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 here in Florida, for me, one of the many things I'm recovering, I'm a recovering codependent, a recovering perfectionist. I'm also a recovering workaholic. Mm. Um, and I love my work. And so I always for years I would get coached around balance, coached around balance. And then I got to coach with this master coach, and he said, 
well, how much of your work feels like work? And so he kind of mm. gave me this different mm. way of looking at it. Mm. So here, and and my puppy, Izzy, is a huge part of my balance because with Izzy, I have to be outdoors and walking two or three times a day. So I can't be attached to my computer. And, you know, and it's like, it's not just the coaching, as you know, it's the running of the business. And so... What's beautiful is more and more and more my life um, looks like the design that I had created. Yes, same here. And I want to say that I still do this. Like I, from when I wrote my first one 10 years ago, and I tell this story in the book that I had signed up for this, my first course with other women. And this was the homework assignment, like write down the things you want. And I thought, are you freaking kidding me. Like right now I would like to take a shower. I was like, this is ridiculous. This is too much. I was so overwhelmed. And, but now 10 years later, I I have all of those things and more, but I still do it because I still think about, I think it's so important to keep thinking about that. It's beautiful to want more. You know, we also have this feeling, forget you shouldn't want anything, but you shouldn't want more. But why not? I mean, as long as you're not, you know, pushing anyone aside on the way to get there, why not dream? And you mentioned that about dreaming. I think that's such a good point that as adults, we don't have this. I see this all the time. I have teenagers. So one day she wants to be a forensic psychologist. One day she wants to be astronaut. You know, she's just changing all the time and it's so exciting. And I think for those of us who are also in relationships that were codependent, we had no, I mean, our dreams was another person's dream. How do we help I mean, I was, I think about this. I was always trying to think about how to help my ex-husband's business grow. Forget my bit. You know, my business was doing great, but I wasn't focusing on it. Like I was focusing on his and he wasn't even motivated to get his business going. So it was like, I took on his dreams, you know, it's like, well, no, no, no. So I just want to say, I I think that's also a piece of the dreams. Absolutely. There's, there's two things I'd love to talk about at this point. One is, um, so out of my coaching around this topic, um, I ended up writing two blog posts. One is um, Unearthing Your Deepest Desires, mm. uh, which begins to tease the idea and the adventure. And then the other one is Playing with Possibility, mm. which is a series of coaching questions around whether you're looking for a new home, a new partner or uh, a new career. Mm. And early on, I had this one woman and she was selling her house on Long Island and moving into New York City. And she kept telling me all these things she couldn't have and she wouldn't be able to do. So we decided, let's turn that upside down and go home. And I want you to write exactly what your new home home looks like, like all details. How's the kitchen designed? How many rooms are there? Where in the city is it? What can you see out your front window? And um, four years later, she's she's shopping for a place in New York, and she was so disappointed and frustrated. She she writes a check for this apartment in the city, and that morning she wakes up. She looks in the 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 ad one more time, and she sees this house, and she's like, "Before I go and put the check in, I'm going to go and check out this house." And to this day, I could cry. She called me right afterwards, and she said. It's exactly what I wrote. Wow. It's a brownstone. It has that um, picture window in the front. It's got hardwood floors. It's got the brick on the wall across from the kitchen. And she went on and on. And she was like, I manifested my ideal home. And since that time, I can't tell you how many clients have reached out to me and they have manifested their ideal relationship yes. and their ideal home and their ideal career. Yeah. 
And the power, um, I believe that our desires are planted in our heart when we're born. And, mm. you know, as grownups, we focus on what we can't and we focus on helping others. And, and when you take the time to honor yourself and truly sit with yourself and dust those dreams off and, and then put teeth to them, the details, the five senses that you're talking about, mm -hmm. you, you draw yourself to them or draw them to you. Yes. And it's so powerful. It's so powerful. I have chills when you're talking. And I, I see that too, you know, that people who think that they can't, they can't, they can't have, they, they won't, it won't work for them. Um, just allowing yourself the littlest bit of permission to, for that, as you said so beautifully, for possibility. There is a shift that happens and it's remarkable. It's kind of like when you're do, when you do gratitude lists, after a little while, you start looking for gratitude. It's like you start noticing possibilities too. It's this amazing, I mean, I think it's related to um, the attention bias and selective attention bias in social psychology that we, what we, you know, what we see, we keep seeing if we put our attention on. Um, and we like when you buy a new car and everyone on the road, all of a sudden exactly. is driving the same car. <laughs> exactly. If anyone was ever struggled with getting pregnant and like everyone you see is pregnant, you know, whatever, what you, you know, it's what comes into your filter. And so why don't we use that for good? Why don't we use that to envision these amazing opportunities? And so I, I want people to know that even if you're not there, because most people post-divorce are in that transition, right? After the divorce, but they're in the transition. It's so important to remember the years down the road. Right. And, and the other point that I want mm -hmm. to touch on is I think for so many of us, um, I know for myself, um, at, when the divorce was over and, uh, and the children weren't always with me, yeah. in those early days, it was so painful. And it was so hard to send them off to dads and, um, and, and these long weekends and this, like, you know, heartbreak and... Um, and in my situation, dad got a puppy right away. He had the beautiful girlfriend staying over and the kids loved her. And I was just like, oh, my God, I was just yeah. crushed. It's excruciating. And, and so I think that in your exercise, there's something um, because you know what? If you're a single mom or a single dad and you're all the time you are with the kids and juggling your 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 job or career, those weekends without the children are such an opportunity. Yes. They're an opportunity to do this work. They're an opportunity to play a little bit. They're an opportunity to yeah. refresh and recharge. And in order to do that, you have to take your focus off of the closed doors. The kids walked out the door and they're not here. And onto the open door of where's the possibility in me um, getting to know myself a little bit better and me taking care of myself this weekend. Yeah. I'm so glad you brought that up. And I didn't write this in the book, but I should have, which is that also just to do the different kinds of weekends. So the weekends with your kids and then the weekends with yourself and really thinking about um, all of that as fertile 
exploration, as an experiment, as fig. And I love, I mean, when people, when you realize you don't like something, that is even more amazing than realizing that you do like something. Um, because, you know, that means you're tuned in to what's going on for you. We're not going to get it right all the time. So I have this um, p- part of my book where I share, because I talk about what kind of friends to reach out to. And I had this friend who, you know, I, I didn't have the kids one evening. We went out for drinks. I was so excited. I got all dressed up. I was so And she was, all she wanted to talk about was my ex. All she wanted to talk about was the misery. Like, so I went home and thought, no, I'm not going to see her when I'm by myself. Like that's, I'm not going to see her. I can see her at the playground with the kids, right? So also knowing like what's working for me and what's not working for me and how do I want to design? And one of the key things that I realized, which, you know, is hard, you know, especially as a a mother and I was single parenting because my ex-husband was not available at that time at all um, to have the kids was that I was so incredibly bored with only having kids to talk to. Like I couldn't talk one more morning about fire trucks. I just couldn't. And I had like a six month old and two and a half year old. I couldn't, I just couldn't do it. And I, you know, and I, I couldn't really share that with a lot of, I mean, I don't know. That's not a kind of thing that people say because you're supposed to love all your kids all the time. And we don't allow people to have mixed feelings about parenting, which is a whole other podcast, but I had mixed feelings about it. And I hired, um, a nanny, actually a manny to sleep over on Friday nights to Saturday morning. So I could have one night by myself where I woke up in the morning and I wasn't with the kids because I was with the kids all the time. And I realized I needed a morning without my kid. Like I needed that. Not everyone else is going to need that, but that's what I needed. And I had a lot of pushback from people. People had a lot of feelings about it, but I needed it. And guess what? When I started dating my husband now, like that was pretty awesome because I had these Friday nights where I could really hang out with him and get to know him and sleep in and do whatever I needed in the morning. I didn't set it up for that, but I was so glad I did. So it was like the me of the future was like, thanks for taking that really hard risk and really trying something that a lot of people thought was a bad idea. Cause now look at where and how it's helped me. And I probably made my relationship way better with my kids. Yeah, and that's as you're talking. I'm thinking here we're talking about um, life by design mm-hmm. and moving forward. And even if you've been doing a lot of work through your divorce, I think that there's an opportunity to use this life by design to continue to refine yes. um, your character and to heal um, your wounds because codependent behavior is going to come up. People-pleasing behavior is going to come up. Perfectionist behavior, um, uh, fear is going to come up. Insecurity is going to come up. And and if it's not coming up from within, to your point, it may be coming from outside, <laughs> right? And so there'll be um, oodles of fertile ground <laughs> to continue to do the work yes. that um, Elizabeth and I both do with our clients to heal and refine through this process. And so, and I love that you called it in the beginning an adventure, right? Because what we do when we don't know what's around the bend is we what if. Mm -hmm. And we never what if, what if I land the perfect job and the the best partner and, and I have like a great relationship with my kids and, and I'm, we don't do that. We say, what if, and then fill in the nightmare story. Um, 
And so there's an opportunity to switch that. And I'm, I like roller coasters. Mm -hmm. And so, so it's kind of like life is a roller coaster. We're, we're promised that there will be trial and tribulation. And so instead of like white knuckling and what if and being afraid of whatever it is around the corner with uncertainty, what if um, we were excited about it? Right. What if it was, it was like the fun of going through a haunted house, the fun of going through a fun house, what's going to jump out, what's going to happen, and how equipped am I to deal with it? And if I feel not completely equipped, what do I need to work on so that I am equipped? Beautiful. I, I couldn't agree more. I love that idea. It changes everything about this next yeah. chapter right? Exactly. Curiosity exactly. is, that's a word I use so often with my clients. Like, can we just be curious? Mm. Yeah, because there's my, my business partner, Lisa Brick, um, had said to me early on, she said, um, there's what we know, there's what we don't know. Yeah. And then there's the entire world of what we don't no, know. We don't, we don't know. know. Yes. And that's where curiosity like blows yes. open the door to just explore. I love that. Such a good reminder. Yeah. yeah. So um, any last tips before we wrap up? And then I want to talk about your free giveaway. Too. Sure. Um, I feel like my really what I want to say to people is believe in your ability to heal believe that you are going to move through this, believe that you are going to have a life and you can have a life that you couldn't imagine possible. On my podcast, I interview people all the time about their stories that they couldn't imagine were going to happen. You, can, Even if you don't feel that today, please believe in your ability to heal and your ability to move forward. Beautiful. And so... You have a free giveaway, which is entitled what? It's five affirmations to help you heal the pain of your divorce. And these are affirmations that you can repeat three to four times a day, and you will start noticing a different relationship to your whole story. Beautiful. So you're going to find that link in our show notes, along with a link to Light at the Other Side of Divorce, which is... Uh, which is Elizabeth's book that uh, just came out. And um, and Elizabeth, what's the name of your podcast? The Divorce Doctor. The Divorce Doctor. So all of that is going to all of that can be found in our show notes. So go there and take a look and um, and definitely pick up a copy of uh, Elizabeth's book. It's, it's, it's coaching and therapy in a book, so to speak. And, <laughs> um, and, and you will, you will really benefit from it. And Elizabeth, it is always so lovely to spend time with you. Thank you so much for sharing um, your wisdom mm -hmm. and a little, a little snippet from your book. Oh, thank you so much for having me. And I'm honored to be able to speak to your wonderful audience and to you, Karen. And stay tuned, we'll be back with our next episode of Life After Divorce. Thanks for joining us on the Journey Beyond Divorce podcast. I hope you found guidance and encouragement to help you along your journey. If you like my podcast, please take a minute to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. You can also visit us at jbddivorcesupport.com where our team of coaches support both men and women through our one-on-one -on -one coaching, group programs, online courses, and free resources. Stay tuned for our next episode, and I'll talk to you soon.